Genesis chapter 8, verse 6, Genesis 8, verse 6, and it says this, it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which was going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. She returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. Father God, you're awesome. God, you're mighty, you're worthy. And God, you're right here. Where's here? It's in the thousands of homes, God, and cars, and where people are viewing this in this moment. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us like only you can. Give us a word, God, that will transform our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Y'all ready to preach? You ready to preach? Y'all got me a little warmed up, got my aerobics ready to go, got the presence of God. I am ready to bring God's word. I want to preach a message uh, for you today called, What's After All This? What's after? What's, what's going to happen after all this? I can pretty much guess and not be prophetic in saying that everybody is kind of thinking about this pandemic that we're in. When is it all going to be over? How are we going to take next steps? You may even be wondering that about the church. We're getting a whole lot of questions of when are we going to open back up? When are we going to have, you know, church as normal again? I'm getting it from staff and other churches and all this other kind of stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I do not know. I just don't know. Things are changing every single day, and we want to make sure that we are keeping in step with wisdom, with health counsel, and we've been talking to our county executive and different other officials in our state of just seeing what's the wisest way to open our state back up. And I can't give you a specific date. Here's what I do know. We're going to open up as soon as we possibly can while making sure that we're using all prudence and wisdom and safety protocols and all that other good stuff. But I'd be honest with you, my obsession or my biggest thought right now is not when is our state going to open back up, is not when are we going to get back to normal, but it's my heart to make sure that you as the church are ready for when things open back up. That when we do step out of our houses and we begin to step back into some rhythm, there's no more normal. We ain't going back to normal. I've said that for the last six weeks in a row. But, but when things do get back to some level of normalcy, that we're not caught off guard, that we're ready to step in and to maximize all that God has for us. I believe this with all of my heart, that God always responds to the enemy's attack. 
And I'll tell you right now, this virus may not have been created by the enemy, but he is using it to undermine people's faith and anxiety and depression and finances and all that other kind of stuff. And God is going to have a miraculous and a supernatural response. How dare the enemy step in to God's world, affect the people of God. God has a response. And I'm telling you, I want to make sure as your pastor that you're ready to maximize all that God has for you, not just spiritually, not just in your relationship with God, but in every single area of your life. I kind of got a kick out of preaching this message, and I don't know why, but we're, we're, we're talking about Noah, and Noah experienced what I would probably say is the first stay-at-home order ever... <laughs> ever instructed in scripture, we're kind of bugging out because we've been in our house for six weeks, seven weeks, or whatever it may be. Noah was in that ark for over a year. You're bugging out because you're locked up with your wife or your husband and your kids. Noah had his family and them stinking animals. And I mean, it probably stunk the high heaven. It was packed out. It was hot. It was sweaty. Noah could not wait to get out of that ark. And, and, and one of the things that I've I, I noticed as I was watching this is Noah went through a, pr- a procedure or a process to figure out how to get out of that ark, or I'll even say this, how to step into what's next on the other side of the crisis that he was going into. One of the issues with, with crisis, with challenge, with, with just things that have a way of dominating our thoughts and our attention is we spend so much time fixated on the problem that we don't really think past the problem. We don't really look on the other side of it. And let me kind of fast forward to the end of the story. Here's what happened to Noah. He got through the flood. God's going to get us through the flood. Somebody say Amen. He came out and, and, and he worshiped and he gathered his family. Then he made an olive, a grape grove. He got drunk and naked and ended up cursing his youngest son for generations and generations. Because Noah wasn't prepared for the other side of the crisis, when he got to the other side, he didn't know what to do with it and he ended up messing it up royally. This is not just about a pandemic. There's so many different things that have a way of dominating our attention. Even before this season, maybe your attention was dominated by getting out of school. You were in your senior year, your junior year. You had one last semester to go through or whatever it may be, and you just could not wait to get out. Now, if you are more godly than me, you've been focused this senior year. You've been doing your online classes and all that other good stuff. They had to drag me to class my last semester. I was like, get me out of here. But so often we focus so much on the, the, the current predicament that we have no vision for what the other side looks like. Or, or, or maybe you're focused on your finances right now, and man, I gotta find a job, or I gotta get back on my feet in this area, or whatever it may be, but there really is no vision for what life looks like when you do get back on your feet, when you're on the other side of crisis. Maybe your obsession has been retirement. When am I going to be able to retire? When am I going to have enough saved or whatever it may be? And you've been so focused on retirement, you got to retirement, and now you're bored out of your mind because you had no vision of what am I going to do when I get on the other side of this. I want to prepare you for when this is all over because it will be over. We are going to start going back to life with some type of normalcy. And if we're not ready for for what comes next after this, you could end up drunk and naked 
like Noah did, and that's not going to be a good thing at all. So I want to just give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. If you would write this down, the first thing is this. If, if we're going to maximize life on the other side of this crisis, we must allow wisdom. Here's what I wrote out. Wisdom will be my guide. If I'm going to actually maximize, God's going to get me through the crisis, what happens on the other side of the crisis? I have to allow wisdom to be my guide. So here it is, Noah, he's locked in this, this ark. The, the waters come, the entire earth is flooded. Month after month, it says 40 days and 40 nights, it's flooded. But beyond those 40 days and 40 nights, it took hundreds of days for the water to recede. Noah is locked him in this ark. And when he finally said, man, I'm getting ready to take a step out, he didn't go out. He grabbed the raven. And he sent that raven out to see if the raven could find anywhere to land. Now, I didn't write the scripture. I just read the scriptures. And the scripture says that God sent the ravens first. I just want to highlight that for all you Redskins fans and Cowboy fans. God sent the raven. Anyway, <laughs> it says that Noah took this raven and, and he sent it out. And it said the raven couldn't find any dry land. The waters were still too high. And it said that it went back to and fro. A little bit later, Noah took a dove and sent the dove out, and the dove went out and couldn't find anywhere to land and came back. Noah waited seven more days and sent the dove out. The dove was out all day long, came back with an olive branch, and Noah knew at that moment, now it's safe for me to step out. Now it's safe for me to go on to the next step. Here's what Noah did right. He said, I'm going to make every decision in my life with wisdom. I'm not just going to jump into it. I'm not just going to go blindly. I'm not just going to figure out how things are going to go as I go along. I'm going to use prudence. I'm going to use caution. I'm going to use wisdom. If we're going to survive, if we're going to thrive on the other side of any obsession, any crisis, any challenge, you have to make a decision that wisdom is going to be my guide. Hear me. The miraculous power of God does not cancel out the need for wisdom. God is a miracle-working God. He is all-powerful, but his miracles weren't designed to save us from our lack of wisdom. His miracles were designed to be extra on top of the wisdom that we're guiding ourselves with. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 says this, The Lord, not universities, not, not, not your grandparents, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. What does that mean? That God made up principles that govern success and safety here on earth. And you can pray as much as you want to pray, but if you don't apply those principles of wisdom in your life, you will not find success or safety. I remember when I, when I was college, it was probably my freshman or sophomore year, and, and I, I was driving a car and driving up to Baltimore for church every weekend, and then I had a, a, a job that I had to drive all around Maryland, and, and with all the driving, my tires got pretty bald, and, and my brakes got worn out. The only thing is, I, I can't even say I had a limited income. I did have a limited income. I had money coming in. I just... <laughs> 
I just didn't want to spend my money on new tires. I wanted to spend my money on new shoes or going out to eat or whatever it may be. And, and I don't know, maybe it's because I was young. I just didn't see tires and brake pads as something that I wanted to invest in. So here am I driving around on bald tires with no brakes. Somebody say that's not wise at all. If you're like me, you'd say that's just straight up stupid. But here I am, I'm driving this car, bald tires, brakes worn out, and every time it rained, I'm telling you, my prayer life increased. I'm walking, I'm driving around, praying in tongues. Every, every light I came to, I'm just like, God, please help me, please help me, please help me. I had one of those back wheel tire uh, cars, and every time the light would turn green, I'd hit the gas, and the tires would spin in the wet gravel, and they couldn't find traction. Why? Because I hadn't lived my life with wisdom, with prudence, with caution. Now, here's the thing. I can pray God protect me from a car accident. Or I can make a decision that I'm going to lead my life with wisdom and I'm actually going to go out and spend a couple dollars and get me some tires and put some brakes on my car and all that other kind of stuff. Proverbs 22.3 says this, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover. But the inexperienced, another translation unfortunately says the foolish, keep going and are punished. I'm going to turn my back to the camera and I'm going to talk to you, Corey, because I'm, I'm scared to talk to them. No, I ain't scared of you. I'll say it to you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. My heart has been somewhat broken through this season. Watching this pandemic and this virus affect the entire world. Every country, every state, every city, every person, every race, every culture, every income bracket, everybody is affected by this pandemic. But here's the thing, not everybody's affected the same. It's hitting certain people harder than it's hitting other people. And for some people that are being hit extremely hard, it's completely out of your control. You had nothing to do with the, with the pre-existing health concerns you were dealing with prior to this or, or whatever it may be. It was literally just this was life. And by the way, when life hits you, we have life himself, God to turn to. But for some of us, the season is hitting us harder than other people because we didn't have our act together before it. We, we weren't living our lives with wisdom. We weren't living our lives with prudence prior. And I'm telling you, we have to make a decision from this moment. I am gonna live my life by wisdom. I'm gonna allow wisdom to be my guide. Somebody say, get practical. Uh, I gotta be healthy. Like, if you tuning in to Destiny Church, you, you, you know, I joke a lot, and, and I don't go to the gym, and, and if I do, it's very sporadic, and I don't work out, and all that other good stuff, and I ate a whole apple pie in a week. This is probably not helping my message. But here, here's the reality. <laughs> say it like my sister would say it. It's just not cute to not be healthy. You're, you're, you're living your life outside of wisdom, and you're opening yourself up to experience unnecessary pain. It's just not cute to not have an emergency fund, to have a, a, a grip on your finances. This is, this is practical. Like if I lose my job and I have three to six months reserve in the bank, 
It's a completely different experience from me losing my job and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And here's the problem. We find ourselves in a position where we say, I, I, I would if I could. If I had more money, then I would have savings. If, if I could get over this health concern, if I could have more wisdom in this relationship or whatever it may be, if, if I would, I could, but I can't. This is just life. Here, here's the problem about life. Life guarantees hard times. Life guarantees. The Bible says it's going to rain on the just and the unjust alike. And the reality is, this is supposed to be encouraging. This is not very encouraging. But actually, I'm helping you out here. This pandemic is not the last crisis you're going to face. Boy, that's not very encouraging, man. I'm Click. <laughs> I'm going to go watch somebody else. I need... I need <laughs> Joel Osteen. I need somebody that's going to smile and encourage me. And give me. Listen, I'm going to smile. I'm going to encourage you. God has hope. God's walking with you. He's, he's going to move in your life, but he's given us wisdom to lead and to guide our lives with. And we can't say, man, I'm doing the best I can. Oh, sometimes I hate being so direct. Sometimes the best you can is not good enough. It still sets you up in a position where the next crisis will wipe you out. What do I do? Hear me. I'm going to stare in this camera. Look you right in the eye. That's what the church is for. You do not have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. You don't have to muscle your way through this. Maybe you're a single mom and you're doing the best that you can. Maybe you're a husband and you, you provide for your family, but you've started that business and it's just not going the way that you thought it was going to go. Don't isolate yourself. Don't put yourself in a corner. Don't believe that foolishness of I made my bed and now I need to live in it or sleep in it or whatever the colloquialism. Hear me. You have a church that is with you and desires to walk every step with you. There are entrepreneurial connect groups that are still meeting. There are financial peace connect groups that are still meeting. I don't, why is Destiny Church so healthy? I hate it. There's keto people everywhere. There's vegans everywhere. They've started this, this like running group where everybody's out putting their mask on. They're running. My wife has run 50 miles in one month, you know what I'm doing? This is not encouraging the message. I'm standing at the front door. Go, babe. Go, babe. Take the dog with you just so you'll be safe. No, 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 no. Listen, you have a community of people that are going to encourage you, that are going to give you the wisdom that you need. It is vital. I'm going to read that verse one more time. Proverbs 22.3 says this, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keep going and are punished. Don't let life punish you. It, it rains on the just and the unjust delight, but watch this. When the floods hit the earth, Noah wasn't in the flood. He was over the flood. Because God gave him wisdom and instructions. Hey, build an ark. What's an ark? It's insulation. It's protection from the elements of life. And, and when the tough times came, God rose Noah up above the situation. God has given us wisdom for every single area of our lives that it will not keep you from going through a storm. 
but it will keep you above the storm. The first thing is this, that wisdom will be my guide. The second thing is this, that worship, worship will be my priority. Wisdom will be my God. When I get out of this crisis, worship will be my priority. Genesis chapter 8, verse 18, it says this. So Noah went out. As soon as Noah got out of that ark and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, verse 20, it says this. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. So it says this, that as soon as Noah, Noah is godlier than I am. Me and my wife were talking this week about what restaurants we're going to as soon as they open up the world again. Like, I'm telling you, I bought a, uh, a, a, like a golf like simulator so I could just swing my golf club in my house, getting ready, getting my swing back. Can y'all see that? It's still as bad as it was last year. But I am getting ready because as soon as I get out of this house, I'm going out to eat, I'm going to get me a steak. I've been cooking and my cooking just is not the same as Stanford Grill. I don't know what it is. My farm to table ain't their farm to table. I need to get out. I'm going to go eat. And Noah said, I ain't worried about the restaurant. Ain't nobody to eat anyway. Noah said, my golf game can wait. The first thing he did was he built an altar, and he and his family worshiped God. Watch this. The Bible says that they took clean animals, and they sacrificed them unto God. That was part of how they worshiped God. But if you fast forward in Genesis 6, before the flood started, the Bible says that God told Noah to take two of every type of animal onto the ark. If Noah had done what God told him to do and taken two of every type of animal on the ark, and then when he got off the ark, he sacrificed animals unto God, we wouldn't have sheep today. Because he'd have killed the one sheep that he had or the two sheep that he had. No, no. Here's what I think. I think Noah disobeyed God in a good way. I think God told Noah, take two every kind, and he took two lions, two elephants, two giraffe, all that. But when it came to the sheep, I think he took seven sheep and seven goats. And he said, I know I'm going to get off this ark. And when I get off this ark, I need to have something to offer unto God. Noah made a decision that I am going to worship God first. I'm going to make God my priority. Here's why. Because Noah understood that without God, he would not have made it through. Psalm 124 verse 1 says this, If it had not been for the Lord, who was on our side. He said, if I, I, I'm going to read verse, verse 4. It goes on to say this, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our souls. Noah understood it wasn't because I was a great ark builder that I'm here right now. It wasn't because I saw it coming before anybody else saw it coming. It wasn't even because I was more spiritual than somebody else. It was because of the grace of God. It's because he was on my side. And because he's on my side, he is going to get my priority. He is going to get my worship. I wish I had some people that understood it's not based on my degree. It's not based on the mass. It's not based that I was smarter or had better health. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would not be in the position that I'm in. And because of that, I am going to give God my focus, my attention. 
my worship. God, you deserve top priority in my life. One of the things that I think has happened, Erica, how much trouble can I get in trouble? I do it every Sunday, so it doesn't, I don't even know why I ask permission anymore. But one of the things that happens is life just gets busy. There's so many things that are competing for our attention. I, I, I got soccer practice, and, and I got my side hustle. Everybody has a side hustle now. You know, you got your main job, and you got your side hustle, because you got to make sure you extra income, multiple strings of income, and all this other kind of stuff. So I, I leave my main gig, and then I go to my side gig, and I got to drop the kids off of here, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. And before you know it, our life gets so bombarded and so distracted. And if I'll be honest with you, God is the first thing to go. Our time in his presence is the first thing that we put on the back burner. This is just Stephen being Stephen. Ain't no soccer practice happening now. <laughs> the soccer field's got this big old sign that says closed, stay out. Here's what the Bible says. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Now, I, I could not stand this passage growing up because my, my dad, uh, who was a pastor, actually the founding pastor of Destiny Church, uh, he, he, he took this passage uh, seriously and, and to the letter of the law. Sunday was the Sabbath. It was God's day. So, so we weren't allowed to play on any sports teams that had games or practices on God's day. There, there was no working on God's day. Early on, we, we, we weren't really allowed to go outside and play too much. Like we could hang out with our church friends or whatever, but this is God's day of worship. And, and, and I'm so grateful that I had that upbringing. Now, at the time, I wasn't very grateful, but now I am because it instilled something in my heart that there has to be a moment where everything stops. And hear me, things are not going to stop voluntarily. This pandemic may be the last time you have nothing to do outside. Like, life doesn't stop voluntarily. You have to make a decision that I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to make God my priority. It's an active, conscious decision you make. I, I could just imagine how awkward it was for Israel because you got to understand no other nation on planet earth had a Sabbath. There was no other country that stopped once a week to worship their God, whoever their God was. So here it comes Saturday was the, or Friday was the, the Sabbath, the beginning at 6 p.m. And could you just imagine people walking up to the gates in, in Jerusalem or whatever, knocking on the door, hey, hey, we got, we got some goods to sell, we have some things to trade or whatever it may be. And Israel said, hey, we're not open. We, we've gotten a lot of those today. We're not open. I went by the Caribbean store trying to find me some Haitian mangoes. And they're outside. I'm like, hey, you guys. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not open. Not for two weeks. And I'm just like, ugh. I said, hey, no, we're not open. 
Like, what do you mean we're not open? This, this is the Lord's day. This is the day where we're going to stop making things happen for ourselves. And we're going to worship and honor God. Now, the Sabbath is not necessarily about I'm tired and exhausted, even though that plays a part. Here's why. Because God Sabbathed. It says for six days he worked, and on the seventh day he rested. God has limitless energy. He didn't need the rest. Why did he do that? He was demonstrating how he wants us to dictate our lives. Because here's what he said. If we would keep the Sabbath holy, he would bless that day. Here's what I think happens when we make worship our priority, where we actually go to the lens, where we say there's going to be one day a week where I'm not working, where I'm honoring God. I think that God says, hey, for six days you work, and on that seventh day, I'll work. I'll actually make sure that your business grows better than you could ever grow it yourself, that your relationship becomes even more intimate than you can make it yourself, that your children are more blessed. If you would honor me first, it says in Matthew chapter 6, if you would seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then he said everything else I will add, not you'll have to work for it, I'll add it on to you. I remember telling you that when I was young, hey, Sunday, no sports, this is glorious day, this is Sabbath and all that. Well, it became a part of my identity. And when I grew up and I got older and now I'm in college and I'm making my own decisions, it was just muscle memory, like I talked last week, that Sunday belongs to God. So every weekend I would get in my car, I would drive up on the weekends, I was the musician at church and I'm leading worship and I'm in the house of God. It's probably about 50 minutes away from where I went to school, but this is just what I did. And I remember as I'm going through college, I'm seeing God open up internships that I didn't even apply for. I'm getting job offers from Fortune 500 companies that my resume and my degree didn't even line up with. I'm here graduating a year before everybody else did. And, and one of the things about being blessed by God is it puts you in a really awkward position. Because everybody else was like, wait, who did you know? How did you talk to, where'd you get to this? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? And, and it was hard to explain at the time, but here's what was happening. As I was making God my priority, he was doing more in my time off than I could do in my own strength. If, if, if you, you know scripture, the nation of Israel, they were taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Seventy years they spent as slaves in Babylon. And, and, and as you read through scriptures, hear what you found out, that Israel started off honoring God. They started off with the Sabbath, but as they went on, they, they just got bored. They just said, hey, there's money to be made. There's things to do. I got to take care of life and all that kind of stuff. So for, I don't know why I like preaching to y'all. It's, it's hard preaching in the empty room. That's why I keep on turning around here. But check this. So y'all paying attention? Y'all paying attention? They skipped the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, for 490 years. For 490 years, they said, forget the Sabbath. They worked right through it. They skipped for 490 years. They got taken into captivity, and they were in captivity for 70 years. Now, every Sabbath is every seventh day and every seventh year. So watch this. They were slaves for one year for every Sabbath that they skipped. God says, you're going to Sabbath. <laughs> you're going to Sabbath voluntarily or involuntarily. 
But because you decided not to do it on your own, then I'm going to do it for you. I promise I'm going to end warm and fuzzy. What if, I don't know, but what if, (laughs) this is hardcore, if we are locked in our houses for every Sunday that we skip worshiping God? How long? (laughs) That's tough. This is where you need to start preaching about grace. The old has passed away. All things have become new. God's forgiven. I'm just, just, just think about it. Have I made God the priority of my life? I need to make a decision that when I get through this crisis, I'm not going to be like, whoa, I'm free and forget the one who set me free. I'm going to say, God, you will be the priority of my life. I'm going to allow wisdom to be my guide. Worship will be my priority. And the last thing is this. Work will be my focus. Huh? Work is going to be my focus. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. You can play. We're going to land this plane. It says, and Noah began to be a farmer and planted a vineyard. So Noah started out well. He, he started out with wisdom and prudence. He, he didn't just jump out of the ark. He, he, he sent doves and ravens out there to see if it was safe. He, he waited to hear from God of when it was time to take the next step. And, 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 and then as soon as he got out, he began to worship. The only problem is Noah didn't have a plan after his worship. So when he was finished worshiping, he says, then he became a farmer and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. That's the New King James Version way of saying he was naked. And as you read on in the story, the Bible says that here's Noah naked and drunk in his tent. And his youngest son walks in and sees his dad in that state and begins to laugh and make fun of him and called his brothers over and said, hey, come on and see how dad has made a fool of himself. The older brothers, they took a blanket. And the Bible says they walked in backwards not to look on their dad's shame. And they, they covered him over. That's another message for a different time. But some of us need to look at people in their worst state and not make fun of them, but to cover them. Because that's what God does for us. But why, why did this? I mean, let's just think practically. This man was so godly that God went to him exclusively to tell him what was coming up next. He was so faithful that he took the time to build this ark, and he was so godly that as soon as he got out of the ark, he worshiped God first. But yet he still fell into this predicament after all that. Can I say something risky? That tells me that godliness is not enough to sustain me. That my passion for God is not enough to keep me successful and safe. That if I don't have a purpose, a destiny for my life, something that actually wakes me up in the morning, a mandate from God, I'm going to find myself with no direction. It's why the Bible says where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Why? Because if I don't know what God has called me to do, There's no reason to be a good steward of my finances if I don't have an ultimate goal beyond just paying this month's bills. 
There's really no purpose in keeping my body and my temple in healthy order if I don't see any kingdom impact that I'm going to make 20, 30 years down the road. Here's the thing, without a vision of the work that God has called us to, the Bible says we're going to cast off all restraints. Noah said, I have enough. So he even said it this way, there's really not much more worth living. For some of us, money is our obsession. It's what we live for. We start off saying, man, I just want to have enough to be able to pay my bills. And then all of a sudden, as I like this car, and I like this house, and I like this, and I have this lifestyle that I want to live, so I'm pursuing money so I can live this lifestyle. Hear me, and I'm prophesying in your life, one day you're going to have enough money. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Keep working. And if you keep working, you're going to be able to drive what you want, live what you want, wear what you want, and then what? Because if the purpose you're pursuing has a short-term finish line, when you get on the other side of that, you're not going to have much to pursue. How does that apply to us? If our only focus right now is to make it through this crisis, what's on the other side? We're going to find ourselves in a predicament where, where we find up, end up under the influence of stuff that shouldn't be influencing us and exposed in ways that we don't want to be exposed. It's because we had no vision of the work that God has for us. So I'm gonna get real practical. On the other side of this crisis, you have a family to build. You have a spouse, you have kids. Pastor, I'm single. Great, you still have a future to build. God has people, whether biologically or by blood or, or just spiritually, you have a family, you have brothers and sisters and, and spiritual children that God is calling you to build up to, to discover the, the purpose and the plan and the destiny that God's placed in their lives and affirm it and encourage it. You have a family to build. Come on now, you have a purpose to build. Your career is not for you to pay your bills. Your career is for you to be a blessing to other people. And on the other side of this crisis, we have some careers to build. We have some businesses to build. We have an impact to make. Hey, let's start thinking about what am I going to build on the other side of this? Hear me. We have a church to build. I'm not talking about a, a, a physical building and, and I can't wait till we get back to gathering together as people in, in the body of Christ. And hear me, we're not going to rush you back. You can come back when you're safe and when you feel comfortable. But hear me, the building was never the church. The people were always the church. And God has placed us on this earth to build people. Baltimore County, I can't wait till we can get back to building that community. We're coming for PG. We're coming for Rockville. We're coming for Woodbridge. We are coming for this region that God has placed us in. And I'm telling you, if you don't find a part of the kingdom that God has called you to build, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're saying, now what? That crisis is over. This immediate problem is fixed. And I feel empty. I love God, but I feel empty. I don't really have anything to build. Nehemiah 4, 6 says this in the message. It says, we kept at it. We kept at repairing and rebuilding the wall. I, I'm a little bit weird. I can't wait till we get to back to rebuilding America, to rebuilding our businesses and our families and, and our communities. I'm excited to build. It says this, the whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended head. Watch this. Because the people had a heart for the work. 
They were ready to put their hands to rebuild what the crisis they had gone through had torn down. I'm telling you, we're going to let wisdom guide us. Worship is going to be our priority. But I'm asking in this season, God, when we pass through this crisis, what have you given us to build? God, what are you calling us to make greater because we were here on earth than if we had never walked through this season of history? Let's pray. Father God, we're, we're grateful that like Noah, God, you didn't just leave us in a flood, but God, you're, you're raising us up above this crisis. If it had not been for you on our side, God, where would we be? Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to, to make this message personal to you. Man, I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom, of caution. God, worship is going to become our priority. God, the purpose, the plan, the destiny that you have for us, God, that, that's going to be the work that we put our hands to. Maybe you're tuning in right now. If you'd be honest, God is not your priority. You're aware of God. Maybe you believe in God, but he's been an afterthought. He's been a side deal. He, he, he hasn't been the focus of your life. The reality is this. Life begins with God being the priority. Marriage only works when God's the priority of, the, of both spouses' lives. Money only brings fulfillment when it's God that's leading and guiding in a part of your life. Children, everything that we desire in life, it begins with God being the priority. So maybe for the first time you realize he hasn't been the priority in my life, but I want him to be. You can make that decision right now. Right now, yeah, right now. You don't need to wait. You're in God's presence right now. That's you, right where you are. Can you pray this prayer? And, and let's get bold. Can you pray this out loud? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being life itself. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for having a purpose for me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that my sin, my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender I give you my life. I make you the priority of all that I am. Be my Lord and my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And